And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, the live version. Look out now! We have a sensor here with a uh, cough button in case uh, Eric says anything untoward, gets us in legal trouble. With my co-host, I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer with The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, out in Washington. What's that? Washington State, that is. What's up, Eric? Nothing, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Ready for ready for some real baseball. How about that? It's here. I can't believe how fast it came. I mean, I saw something like three or four days ago, five days till opening day, and it feels like spring training just started. That's what everybody said. There. It goes fast when you're not there. It, it takes yeah. a while when you're there. That's what everybody said, though, including Snit. He said, you know, when all the coaches say, feels like we just got here, he goes, that's when you know you had a good spring training. Yeah. Because it was pretty uneventful. They didn't have any major injuries or any of that stuff. But, you know, it did. It didn't get tedious like it seemed like it usually does. I don't I don't know why, but it did. maybe it's because they don't take any three-hour trips. Yeah. yeah. That helps. For sure. And they didn't all do all – All your trips are I mean, 30 minutes. You get back home. You think about what a debacle it was last year. This was pretty smooth. Yeah, I mean, last year you basically did two spring training, so this has to feel quick. Oh God, yeah, they, uh, yeah, there's that. They, but they had some games, you know, they're like their games in uh, Port Charlotte where they actually work out at their ballpark to take batting practice and everything, then just hop on the bus and get over there. So that's how close they are. Port Charlotte's like 20, 15, 20 minutes. That's every team in Arizona. Uh huh. Yeah, a lot of the Arizona teams do that. Work out at their own place. It just makes it so much easier, man. Yeah. But they, you know, they at uh, it was it was common for them, especially before the time change at uh, Orlando, as you know, to leave in the morning when it was still dark for those three hour away and come back when it was dark. Oh, I mean, you'd you'd get on the bus at like seven and you'd get off the bus at seven. That just does not like happen. The whole now. day, no. It's half the half that time now. Plus, the games were a lot were a lot smoother at spring training this year. You didn't have any four hour games, three and a half. They were pretty quick. Yeah, a lot of the seven innings helped. Rolling innings helped. There were a lot of things that helped, but it just went – the games went a lot better than they have in the past. Um, Before we get started here, I don't know if you saw the tweet I had yesterday, but I confirmed that the Braves are signing Jeff Mathis to a minor league deal. He turns 38 today, and he is one of the most respected defensive catchers, game callers, pitch framers of the past couple of decades. I mean, this guy's revered in the game. Um, I think that's a real good signing for the Braves, whether he ends up playing for him, which he could as a backup guy, or uh, he wants to transition into coaching. So to have him down there at AAA and at the alternate side is invaluable to me with those young, all the young catching prospects they have now. I mean, he's a 194 career hitter, and he's got 16 years in the that's big right. leagues. <laughs> that, so that's that all you enough. need to know. <laughs> that says enough. Um, yep. You know, that's probably his first – practice assignment you know working with Contreras and, and being down there with him I'm guessing see how it goes Contreras Langoliers uh Jackson you know yeah at times. Jackson's gonna be in the big leagues right 
Right. Um, yeah, and then they got some others too. But yeah, it's a that's a great sign for a team with those many catches because you already got Sal, but Sal's with the big league team. So yeah, to have a version of Sal and good signing. And and if Jackson would have fallen on his face or whatever, or they just decide to, you know if uh, if if Darno's nicked up or something, you could bring him up easily and have him do some real catching. So it's nice to have that. It's nice to have you know it's tough when you call up a rookie in the middle of a, a season you're trying to win and. They don't even know the pitching staff, and you know a guy like Mathis could adapt pretty quick. Yeah. That he'll he'll have immediate respect with the pitchers too, so you're going to trust what he's calling. I think it's a it's a good plan just to have him on standby. All right, well, tomorrow is opening day. Uh, Max Freed going against Aaron Nola in Philly. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was five and a half months ago. God, the Braves dang. left the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex unfulfilled after blowing two zero three zero win leads against. Uh, the Dodgers in the NLCS losing to the eventual world series champions in seven games. And they start this quest again, and they have never been more confident or determined to get back to the world series, which would be the first time this century. The Braves have not been to the world series in the two thousands. That's pretty hard to believe isn't it. Considering they went five times in the nineties. Yeah, and had some good runs, you know, early in the in the in the decade yeah. too. But yeah, I mean, it's, it just shows you how hard it is. You know, you can roll out a good team over and over, but I think now that they've tasted it, they're not going to be satisfied with anything less than a title. You know, I, I don't even think getting to the World Series would be considered a success. They need to at least get to the World Series because anything less is not that incremental improvement that they've been mm-hmm. having. You know, they've gotten a little better each of the past three years. And last year was a huge step, obviously, winning two for two postseason series after they had not won a postseason series or even a wildcard game since 01. So last year was big in that regard. But just to get back to the LCS, for instance, even if it's losing to the powerhouse Dodgers. They won't be game, happy. They won't yeah. be happy with that. That'll get frustrating. Um, But, you know, so much is – got to see how it all plays out. The division, we've talked about this. Division is going to be so tough. And your first priority has to be to win the division because, like we've said, there's there's a real good chance that the wild card is not going to come out of the NL East with these teams beating up on each other all year if if things go as we suspect they will. Yeah, well, and, you know, the wild card, at least it's, it's not that same just toss-up game like it was in the past. And, you know, you get in there, you still got a shot, but you want that home field and, it, and you want that advantage. But it, it's not going to be an easy division. Everybody got better. And even I mean I joke about the Marlins sometimes, but they're not rolling you know slouches out there either. So the whole division's tough. Uh, Freddie, you know the, the day he arrived or the day after he started working out, he talked to us in a long Zoom, went over everything. But he he his quote was great because he said, you know, every year I t- I've talked about at least we got some experience in the playoffs for these young guys and all that. And he said that's no more. He said we've got a good team. We were one win away from the World Series. That's everyone's goal to get to the World Series and win it this year. So you had some other guys that said getting to the World Series is the goal, so they're not real straight on whether the goal is to get there or to win it, but everybody said the World Series. Nobody said, you know, the goal is to win the division and go deep into playoffs. Everybody said World Series. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, you know, you got to be careful with that, not getting carried away and taking the division right. for granted. But, I mean, you got to take care of business first, but – I mean, you look at the starting rotation, especially with Soroka looking good yesterday. Yeah. They can match up with anybody. 
Uh, they really should be able to. I mean, as long as Charlie Morton is still Charlie Morton, and he's looked good this spring. And Drew Smiley yeah. looked, I thought, really good yesterday. That's two in a row that he he only had the one horrible outing. The others have been great. I mean, good to great. He gave up no earned runs in the other four. Uh, so that's a good sign. And the best thing is he came out of it healthy like all the rest of the starters. I mean, that's the most important thing. Let's not forget, coming out of spring training healthy is the most important thing, and they are. They, uh, you know, the offense. When you th- when you think about what the key is to this to this season, yes, Duvall's gone. The Braves ret- returned seven of their top eight OPS and RBI leaders, and that's from a team that led the majors in both of those categories. They led the major. Oh, they were ahead of the Dodgers in OPS and RBIs last year. They were second to the Dodgers in home runs, and the Braves returned. Eight of their top nine home run hitters. So there's no concern at all about offense in this lineup. Mm-mm. The bench, I don't know where the area of concern really maybe the bench, but the bench lacks power. Definitely lacks power. But I don't know. I have a pretty good feeling about Sandoval after watching him in spring training. And I never thought I would have said that at the start of spring <laughs> training. But this guy still puts the bat on the ball consistently and hits it hard. A lot of singles and doubles, but they're well hit singles and doubles. He hit 400 in spring training, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. against different pitchers every day, basically. He's a, I mean, he's a tough at bat because you just don't, there's not even really a scouting report. You know, it's kind of just like, see if he'll swing at balls, <laughs> but he, he's just kind of, I mean, he's swinging at everything in the zone and he, you know, you could throw him a slider and hang it. He could damage you. You know, he could be sitting fastball. But you never know what he's going to do. I think, you know, like what happened with him was everybody started getting on him about his weight. Yeah. And you just have to leave him alone and, and let him be big and let him be himself. Because for whatever reason, he just feels and moves the best at 260, 270, whatever he's at. Yeah. He's listening at 268. You know, in baseball, you're only fat when you're not hitting. You know, if, if you're hitting, <laughs> you're, you're just big boned. <laughs> you know, everybody loves you. It's It's when you stop hitting. So... I think that probably messed him up mentally going to Boston and getting off to a tough start. But yeah, I mean, he's, he seems to, he's always had that put the bat on the ball skill. So yeah, it'd be nice to have him, you know, pinch hit and he can switch hit, bring him in late in games. He's not a fun at bat as a reliever because you just don't know if he's going to hack at every pitch or, or put up a good at bat or what's going to happen. You know, they brought in uh, Kipnis and Lamb because they wanted to get some power from the left side for the bench, but those guys, neither one of them did anything in spring training. Sandoval has hit well from the left side, and Snit said it's not about home runs, you know, or power. It's about having a professional bat, and Sandoval's done that for them. So Snit's not concerned about the power. And if you look at it like we just mentioned, eight of the top nine home run hitters off the team are back. So it's not like you're going to be pinch hitting for any of those guys. You know what I mean? Very rarely. Yeah. It's going to be pinch hitting for the pitcher, and that's it. So yeah. you're going to get and all the power you need from the lineup. Yeah. 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 The switch hitter is nice to have off the bench. And he got two of them with him and uh, Adrianza. Yeah. Who just outplayed Camargo this spring. I mean, he outplayed him defensively, but especially he out hit him. Like, I mean, Adrianza hit at 400 with a 1200 OPS, 500 OBP. I think he's it, got it, a chip on his shoulder. You know, I yeah. mean, he's, he's working with non guaranteed money for the first time in a long time. And, and, and a lot of times that kind of serves as a wake up call that you probably called around and couldn't get a job this year and was kind of shocked, you know, after putting together a little bit of a track record. But yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, that, that puts a chip on your shoulder for sure. Four years with the Giants and four with the Twins. And I think he thought he, he had pretty much established himself with the Twins, so I'm sure he did have a chip on his shoulder. And, and they loved him there. You know, the players, the fans yeah. did. 
So you know how that goes. His price gets a little bit out of what they're willing to do, just like it has with some of the Braves. Um, so he comes here looking to show that he could still do it. And he did it, man. I mean, he had it. He yeah. just impressed the hell out of me. I, I, yeah. If I would just watched him and didn't know his background, I would have never thought he was a utility guy. Just the way, the way he's he looked. Playing. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, I like him on the bench. I like Sandoval. Then you got Jackson, obviously. You went with Jackson over uh, Contreras, even though Contreras had the better spring and is the far better hitter at this point. Jackson is the guy. We've explained this, that Jackson, they didn't want Contreras not playing, you know, more than once or twice a week because they value him as a, as a potential everyday starter in the future, and they want him playing every day at the uh, alternate site and then at AAA. So we'll see if that lasts. But uh, – Jackson hit better in the last couple of weeks. He did. So we'll see. But uh, he's not going to play much unless Darno gets nicked up. Darno's going to probably start five or six times a week. Um, if, you know, unless the heat just gets to him too much. But that's going to be interesting. They got Contreras. They can make that swap if they want to at any time. Yeah. Travis has had some, some injury history, you know, but I, I mean, I was kind of debating whether they'd want Contreras to just be in the big leagues and helping the team or play every day. And it, it looks like they went with playing every day, but. It's probably good for him, you know, to, to be getting his at-bats. And, and especially with Mathis down there, they might want Mathis kind of just tutoring him through, you know, running a staff and, and preparing him for a lot more playing time. So if he's not going to be in, you know, three, four games a week, I think it's the right move. So you got uh, – you know, if you looked at the offseason, really they had – they signed Morton and – Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley to two – to one-year deals totaling $26 million. The only other big move they made at all in the offseason was a big one, re-signing Marcelo Zuna, four years, 65, with a fifth-year option that could push the deal to 80. But those were all – Ozuna was essential. Every guy on the team said when they re-signed him in the first week of February, that was like everybody breathed a sigh of relief, like, all right, let's go win a World Series. I mean, they thought he was that important to the whole thing. But <laughs> It's hard to argue with it. Yeah. But uh, Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley, when you go into this thing now – it makes you realize when you line it up and you look at those matchups, how important it is having those guys, man. Cause you're looking yeah. at the matchups now and the Braves match up well at every spot. Yeah. You know, I mean, even well, if what's, face- what's Charlie going to be your number two or three, right? Charlie's going to be your number two. Ian Anderson's your number three. <laughs> and Drew Smile is your number four. And Bryce Wilson, who did what he did in the postseason, is your number five. And then when Soroka comes back, yeah. Soroka goes somewhere there in the middle. You're gonna have you're gonna have uh, Ian Anderson as your best number four starter in baseball if he pitches anywhere close to what he did last year. If he does anything like what he did last year, I mean he he probably on a lot of staffs be the number two right now, and yeah. and only because he doesn't have the experience to get that ace title. But he pitched like an ace last year. I saw somebody uh, had him as their as the dark horse Cy Young winner, <laughs> Ian Anderson. You know they were just kind of good. One of those where you go out on a limb because nobody will remember if you if you miss, but if you hit it, they'll they'll dredge it up and say, "Oh, yeah." You then you just it. bring so, it back up. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's how impressed he the impressive he was last year. That people recall what he did, but uh, he had a rough spring. But I, you know, I think he was one of those guys that was working on things, and you know, I, I'm fully expecting him to go out in Philly and and revert to last year's form now if he doesn't if he pitches like he did in spring training and most of his starts it'll be a concern but was he getting hit or, or walking guys he was getting hit but he was working on you know the change up he he 
he stuck with that changeup against Boston, and he, and he hung a couple. And, they, and supposedly somebody was there said they were they were catcalling it from the from the uh, bullpen there, going, "Yeah, keep throwing that changeup because the first two he gave up three homers in an inning after giving up one homer last year, all last season, all on changeups, two on changeups, one on a three zero fastball." Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of spring training when you had a good year the year before is you just say you're working on stuff. You know, I, I mean, it definitely only you know if if it's really why you sucked that day. But it's it's a it's a free cop out anytime you struggle. Like I was working on the changeup, and he probably was. And and that you know that was the difference maker for him last year when he came up. That's what he kept bringing up was he had it in that changeup. And mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely it, him having that just the fastball curveball is pretty tough for hitters. But mixing in the changeup makes him. I, that's where I kind of think catapults him into that ace category. But yeah, I mean, we'll see, you know, I, I don't think he's not a guy I worry about just because he's no. got something different. You know, he's got that different angle. He's got that backspin on the yeah. fastball. That's always going to play. So I, he's not a guy I worry about at all. I mean, he had an Oh nine, six ERA and four yeah. postseason starts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's three different teams. Yeah. So yeah, Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Freed, coming off that year that he had, faces Aaron Nola. And that's going to be a hell of a matchup on day one. Uh, Nola, last four years, last three seasons, he's uh, got a 3-1-3 ERA and 10.2 strikeouts per nine innings. Man, he racks up some strikeouts. Aaron Nola does. How did he do last year? Aaron Nola. Decent. Better than a lot of he wasn't. He wasn't as dominant, though, no. right? No. Yeah, he was still pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean what? he's he's got kind of he's got something similar to what Anderson has though. He's got he's got that rising fastball that plays so much in the game today, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's why I don't worry about Anderson because everybody's kind of swinging under the ball and it plays right into his fastball. But it'd be a good matchup. You know that's what the Braves are teaching now, right? High fastballs, breaking balls down, the analytics. I'm telling you, I never saw a catcher like in a two zero count set up up in the zone in my career. Not a single time. And, and you know, that was that was something we didn't even like, – you never even practiced it. I never threw this pitch, fastball for yeah. a strike up in the zone yeah. my entire career for – if you would have done it in a bullpen, your pitching coach would have been like, what are you even doing, man? This That's not a pitch you practice or throw. <laughs> and now you see guys set up like fastball up and away in a 2-0 count. It was just strike count. You know, you see him set up high in like an 0-2 count. But the game's just changing in that aspect. You know, the cat and mouse where now guys are really trying to, 
I guess, you know, if I would have worked on it, I probably could have done it. I probably could have located up yeah. in the zone. But when I see guys do it now, it just it just baffles my mind. I'll be interested to talk to Mathis, hopefully get an opportunity uh, about it. That's pretty fascinating that a catcher could play 18 seasons in the game nowadays because the game has changed so much yeah. in his 18 yeah. seasons. Yeah. Well, he's seen it all. He, he's a 194 hitter, but I think he took me deep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ripping on his batting man. average, but I'm pretty sure he took me deep. Dusty interrupted us there. Um, so, free for the, to, as a reminder, 7 0 with a 225 ERA and 11 starts last year. Uh, missed a start or two at the end of the year when he was hurt, came back and never showed any signs of rust at all in the postseason. <laughs> he, uh, there's the big stat that he loves. He, his favorite stat is, did the team win when I pitched? I mean, he's old school in that regard. Well, the Braves were 10 and one in his regular season starts last year, three and one in his four postseason starts. And over the last two years, they're 35 and 10 in all of his starts combined, 35 and 10. We talked about that last week that, you know, people are devaluing wins for pitchers. Yeah. But pitchers aren't devaluing that. You know, they still want the win and they still want their team to win every time they're out. But it's it's still good to hear him talking about the importance of that. I had Max uh, – or Dansby Swanson had a good quote about Max yesterday. He said – I asked him about, you know, how much confidence they have go out there with Max facing Nola in, in opening day. And he said, I feel like every time Max goes out there, we're confident. That guy's a competitor. I love playing behind him. I know what you're going to get out of him each and every start. His preparation is pretty much unmatched when it comes to pitchers. He knows what he's doing, and I know he loves to win just as much as I do. So I appreciate having a guy like him on the team. Um, I mean, he shows it for sure. You can see that intensity when he's out there. Yeah. I, Reggie Smith's fascinating to hear him talk about Max, you know, being my mentor that he is out to him out in LA. I mean, that's a, uh, it's crazy how they ended up as a kind of the mentor protege relationship with Reggie Smith, a great Dodger slugger from decades ago, but he really loves everything about Max, you know, his, his mentality, his intelligence, his athleticism. And for a guy like that to be, you know, praising a guy like him says a lot about Max, I think. You know, just his yeah, maturity I mean, and how serious I can't he think takes of the game. Anything bad to say about Max? You know, I mean, if if you wanted a nitpick, you could talk about him having a Tommy John already or some blisters. But other than that, man, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say? So for the Braves to reach the World Series, and especially if they're going to win it, that they got they're going to have to get what they expect to get from this starting rotation because I mean, it's so much better and deeper than it was a year ago when they really didn't put it together until the last weeks of the regular season. And then, you know, that out of the sky performance in the postseason where they didn't give up a run. Uh, but this is with Morton and Smiley added and Soroka expected back by late April, mid mid to late April. I would say after yesterday, I know Alex said mid April a couple weeks ago, I I'm thinking of more late April, but I don't know if April 20, First or second, or is that mid or late April? I don't know. <laughs> but what did you think? Did you see him yesterday? Yeah, he looked like himself. I thought he I looked mean, good. I don't think anybody's worried about his performance at all. I mean, he had a he had a really good breaking ball yesterday, and he's got a sneaky uh, sinker that just gets on guys. He's just got that ability to miss bats. His mechanics look good. Uh, I mean, the only thing you'd look for was 
I guess getting out of the box and covering first, and I didn't see that. But he did. He looked fine when he did it. He did. That's in, did he? Yeah, they had, there was a little grounder on the right side, and he was over there like you would have never known. Yeah, that's the only thing that would would scare me with him coming back first is a is a play you're not planning on. You know, a reaction play where you're kind of caught off guard, you're off balance a little bit, and you go to make a quick step. But man, the rehab and everything's so good now that. I'm sure that they have him doing agilities and different movements that if they bring him back, they have not a single concern. You know, yeah. you got to believe that with how valuable he is to the organization. I thought he was missing up and down a little bit more than he usually does. But I, I mean, that's to be expected. But the velo was almost normal. I think 93 was hidden. Yeah. And I thought the breaking ball was. This I breaking mean, ball was, was like, sick. Yeah. God, I was like, was it always that good? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was nothing but – Snit said it was a perfect way to end spring training. So we had a good spring training. Nobody got hurt. You know, we did all we wanted to do. We had great weather. And then to see him pitch the last two innings of spring training before yeah. they fly out of there, that's a, that was a sight for sore eyes for everybody. Everybody is so welcome to see him out there and is pulling for him to get back at everything he was before. If he gets back and, say, by midseason, he is – what he was. What he was. <laughs> yeah. With with Max now at a different level than he was before Soroka got hurt. With Charlie, Ian. I mean, this this could be the best rotation in the league if all those things happen. But you, you can know. afford to have a couple guys struggling with the depth they have. You know, yeah. you could afford to have Charlie off a little bit or, or Smiley kind of finding it still, and you're still four deep. Yeah. Four guys okay. that, I mean, either have been aces or could be aces. I think the Dodgers are the only team that's got maybe even more depth because they got some guys, you know, there's six, seven starters that throw 100 miles yeah. an hour. But uh, other than that, I mean, the Mets got obviously the big ones up top, but Syndergaard's not back until like June. So we don't know what we're going to see from him. So, I, you know, I just like you said, these are four guys that have been aces or are, or, 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 you know, these are. Uh, I'm excited to see Lindor play, you know, because he's. Too. He's got a lot of hype, and you just you don't see guys a lot when they're with somebody like Cleveland or Cincinnati, one right. of those Midwest teams without a big market. You yep. see his highlights and stuff, but I'm excited to watch him for a series and see what kind of impact he makes because it makes it kind of hard to gauge his division knowing he's that good of a player but never gotten a chance to to really see at bat after at bat. Yeah, I got I got poo pooed on, on online and all that when the Mets got him because I called him one of the best. 10 or 15 players in baseball. And these guys are like, well, come on. And they start naming guys. I'm going, that guy's not better than Francisco Lindor. Yeah. And it's because they haven't seen him. Yeah. If he played for the Dodgers or the Yankees there or the, or the Braves, there is no doubt in my mind, they would consider him one of the best 10, 15 players in baseball. Yeah. You know, baseball is a tough sport because you, you have to watch like a series, you know, you got to watch yeah. a whole game and see the impact they make. You got to watch them come up in big situations and see how they impact it. It's not like, you know, basketball. You could just watch LeBron James highlights dunking on everybody. Yeah. And like, all right, he's probably the best. But, you know, nobody appreciates Mike Trout. And people are saying he might be one of the best players of all time. And until you go against him with a series and, and see some of the stuff he does, it's hard to appreciate. So I'm guessing Lindor will have that same effect and probably blow up playing for New York. And I think and I think infielders, too, like you said, they need, you need to see a whole series because they get balls hit to them all the time. And they make routine plays. You know, they make – they make good plays look routine, but they're not mm -hmm. good enough to show up on a highlight reel. So guys don't see yeah. six great plays a guy made during a game. So no. smooth plays, how good he looked out there. 
you might get one defensive highlight. You know, if if you were to watch even MLB Network, if you were to watch SportsCenter, yeah. you probably don't even see any baseball highlights. But if you watch MLB Network, you might see one defensive highlight a game, and it better be a homer that was robbed or a guy yeah. going full extension laying out in the in you know in the six hole. But yeah, exactly. But or, there's a lot of really good defensive plays that change the game that you're just not going to see because they're not that exciting. You know, yeah, for, show, for the plain eye. They only show the infielder running out to catch a pop fly over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Third baseman leaping over the foul line and getting up and throwing a yeah. – The Arenado play, something throw, like that. Yeah, throwing somebody out. Or like you said, the dive in a six hole. Or coming in a bare hand play on a big, at a big moment. And that's about it. I mean, you, they, and, and the outfielder's leaping over the fence or diving in the gap. But, but you watch a guy's range and you get to appreciate that in a series right. and see him cut some balls off up the middle and stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, damn, wish he didn't make that play. You know, you see it hurt your team and then you start appreciating him. It's like watching Andrelton when you watch him the whole game and you're like, he just stands out on the field. You're like, he's just different than everybody else out there. But you got to watch him for, for two or three series. You know, well, you got to watch him. Well, when he's playing for Anaheim, he gets shown even less because every time they show Anaheim highlights, you know what they're going to show. Yep. Trout or Shohei Atani, you know? Yep. They're not going to show Andrew Simmons making that slick play to, on a double play. He's Start- so good, man. I used to open up the MLB app and just search for his name to see what he did that day. Because you weren't going to see it really anywhere else, but he yeah. always made one play that would be somewhere near the bottom of the feed of like that game's highlights. And it was hard to find, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, if for people that appreciate good defense, they'd love to see that every day, but not enough people do where, where the networks are going to show it. Yeah. So we've talked about the the deepest – the Braves had the deepest bullpen in the NL last year. I don't know. It wasn't the best probably, but it was the deepest, and it was damn good. Um, but it's not the deepest anymore. But it's a still a really good bullpen. And these guys, that didn't get talked a lot uh, – talked about a lot during spring training. But that was, to me, one of the two or three most encouraging things of spring training was seeing Will Smith – a one. I mean, yeah, he looks like he did in 2019. Now, I mean, he's striking out every. He's striking out two guys in the inning, not giving up any hits. He looks good. The slider is the slider that we saw with the Giants, and then Chris Martin, man, was dominant down there. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised at all if he gets some close opportunities because you don't need to pitch Will Smith three days in a row. You know, if he does, if 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 there's any chance at all that he's a little sore or whatever, or the matchups are good, you know, for Chris Martin, I like both of those guys saving games. But Chris Martin was really impressive down there. Yeah, I think it's hard to analyze or, or compare overall numbers of that bullpen last year to, to other teams because of the load they had to carry. Uh-huh. I mean, there was there was there was times last year where you had one starting pitcher you felt good about, you know, with with all the injuries and stuff going on, and. Yep. I mean, that just beats you up as a bullpen. So I would expect them to be a lot better this year. And and Smith never even got – he never got his feet under him. You know, I mean, he was playing catch-up the whole time. So if yeah. if he's back, you know, I mean, you got to think the depth is pretty damn good when you're sending a guy like Webb to, to AAA or, yeah. or the, you know, backup camp. And he'll be up too. Webb will be yeah. up before long. And – but, uh, yeah, I mean, people forget the Braves starters pitched the fewest innings – yeah, in the National League last year, and had the highest ERA. And won the division. <laughs> and won the division. Yeah, the bullpen was godsend last year, but it doesn't have to be that deep this year because you're going to get you got guys like Charlie Morton that go deep in the games. Soroka, when he gets back, goes deep in the games. Ian's yeah. probably going to go deeper in his second year than he did in his first. You know, they're going to watch it, which is why they're starting a the year with t- ten relievers. Yeah, 
but yeah. they're going to watch the innings, but they're not going to have these second and third inning exits like they had last year, which was common last year for a pitcher not to go four innings for the Braves yeah. starter. That that will be un- very uncommon this year. Yeah, something bad. A, a couple bad things would have to happen to be back in that situation. You know, I think they they learned their lesson last year and kind of handled that and addressed it. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's hard to gauge what a toll that took on the pen. But they still held it together pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, good enough to win the division. That's tough with with yeah. one guy you were counting on or two guys you were counting on for most of the year. And that's where that chemistry and that character of that bullpen really shone through because they never complained. All they said was, that we, that's our job, to go out there and do it. And they just kept doing it. They had guys with balls, man, like Melanson. Yeah. yeah. You know, all those guys. You know, Will Smith yeah, kept man. wanting the ball no matter how much he was getting hit. He wanted the ball all the time. They got a bunch of guys that want the ball all the time. So, and that'll Could carry hurt over. losing Melanson, but, you know, you had you got two guys ready to step up and close yeah. that, that I feel like have earned it. And, you know, not to mention what Minner showed last year. He finally Matzik. put it together. Matzik has an invisible, you know, he throws 97, but Matzik basically throws one pitch, you know, for the most part. He just blows fastball by guys. Yeah. They know it's coming and they can't hit it. Nate Jones. Like the, Nate Jones had a good spring. This guy's nasty, man. Mm-hmm. He came in and listened to the analytics people and he said, you know what? They told me about my arsenal. I should be doing this and the high fastballs because he throws 96, 97, yeah. you know? And he's had a really good spring. He's a big dude with a funky little hitch in his. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean, I'm talking about. You know, it's it's just not something that everybody's kind of getting on page with the high fastballs at their own pace, mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to trust it and purposely throw up in the zone because you're taught your whole, you know, your whole youth, your whole you know minor league career. You when you're throwing bullpens, they want you throwing fastballs at the knees, and and you throw maybe one pitch at the end of your bullpen. You you'll practice a high fastball or two, but. You know, guys getting a chance to to work on it and repeat it gives them a chance to actually, you know, capitalize on on that velocity up in the zone and, and beat guys with it. So, I mean, if, if they told him to do that and he's seeing results, it, yeah. it could be a big year for him. We forget last year before opening day, Cole Hamels had missed spring training and summer camp with the shoulder and something else. Uh, Felix Hernandez had opted out at the start of the summer camp. When he was going to make the team, probably. Yeah, he was going to. Uh, Fulte made one start after having a horrible summer camp, whereas Velo was way down. He made one start, got lit up, got sent, banished to the alternate site, never to return. And Sean Newcomb had an 11.20 ERA after four starts, and he was sent to the alternate site, never to return. So, and, oh, and then you had the worst of all. Soroka crumpled to the ground in his third start, August 3rd, Remember the game season didn't start till what the end of uh, first of July, so a month in, or less than a month in, he was uh, the season didn't start till the late July, and his third start he's on the ground out for the season. So that was starters, all those starters, and right Five now, guys. <laughs> and right now you're like eight deep and nobody's hurt. Tukey yeah. went on the Tukey did go on the sixty day DL with a shoulder strain, not a bad thing. You know, not a, it's not a, you put somebody on 60 day IL, people get concerned. It's not a surgery thing or anything like that. They just need a roster spot. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's be honest. But they, they just pull you in the training room and move your arm around. If you say anything sore, they're like 60 day. We need that spot. But don't you think he probably did have at least some soreness? Because if you're a young pitcher, I don't want them telling teams saying that I have a sore shoulder. I'm on the 60 day IL if I'm not even hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a matter of, 
if you give them that window and they need that roster spot, they know yeah. you're not making the team and you just give one of these and they ask what's going on and they poke in your soft tissue and you say, yeah. Yeah, it's a little sore there. You know, that's, that's all the window they really need. And, you know, even for him, you go on the 60 day, you're getting big league money. <laughs> and service time. Yeah. And, and service time versus getting sent down. And, and who knows when you're coming back up, if you look yep. at that depth, I mean, and- you know, you don't, you don't want to admit that or look at it that way. And if you fake an injury, you lose respect of all your teammates, but when a team puts you in that position and it's like, you're going to either, you know, I don't, there's, they need that spot. So they wouldn't have released him or anything like that, but he's too valuable, yeah. but you kind of have to just play the game. You know, it's not really up to you and especially well, he didn't have the leverage being young. And the team would let you know, Hey, we'll, we'll remember this. Yeah. You know, um, you know he's going to be doing the same exact same thing as he would have been doing if he just got out, if he just got sent down because he was yeah. you know might as well collect an extra fifteen grand a month or twenty grand a month if he was still occupying the roster spot he's going to be doing the same thing he's going to be working out and pitching at the alternate yeah. site the only thing is he can't get called up for an amount exactly. of time but he probably you know after having some rough outings he probably wasn't going to anyway so it almost gives him a chance to reset and and work without pressure you know there's no. I got to have a good start today or tomorrow or this next one, you know, because I'm trying so hard to get up. Knowing he's not going up for 60 days could be a good thing and, and give him a chance to do some of those, you know, working on a changeup or working on those pitches that you might not throw when you're trying to put up numbers. And they retroactivate it a little bit. So between that and the AAA season starting a month late, you're not missing much at all because <laughs> he would have, you know, he would have started, he was, wasn't going to make the team anyway. So, yeah. So the chances were he's not going to be one of the first guys called up anyway. So now he'll be in line. That'll be a spot. So it's not a bad thing. People don't worry about him. He had some really good. He had a good spring. Yeah. He only had a couple couple of bad innings. A couple bad innings. He had had far more really impressive innings. So we'll see where that that goes. But uh, the guy, one of the only guys – they had ten guys in the bullpen, four starters, but that's that's with an asterisk because Huascar uh, 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 Inoa is one of the ten, and for all intents and purposes, he's the fifth starter because he's going to get that unless he, they really need him early. He's going to get that uh, opener start in that bullpen game, and and it won't be a conventional opener because he's stretched out to go three or four innings. Yeah, so and he's already shown he can handle that. So right. I'd, I'd go with him too. So it's like having nine bullpen still still big and a five man that but, it, but everybody kind of jaws dropped when they said 10 man bullpen but how about a 14 man pitching staff eric with seven lefties you ever seen that well yeah you can do it though when you have lefties that get righties out yeah. you know minner can get righties out five Matzik can get righties out. yeah they can all get righties out for the most part so because the two that uh are the one grant dayton made it but the one that i wouldn't have had on, nobody had on projected opening bullpens was Newcomb. Yeah. But he pitched so well this spring, can go multiple innings that they were like, let's do this. Let's go with the extra arm early until well, we he'll get a shot. Started. You know, huh? he'll get a shot to stretch out in that in that bullpen game or, or different chances. And and I'm sure he wants to prove he can still start and go long and 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 pitch. I'm sure he doesn't want to just be a reliever. You know, no, he wants to I, start. But yeah, Sned has said you're a reliever now. A lot of people have wanted to start and end up being relievers and damn good ones. So yeah, well, he's you know as a reliever, all of a sudden you you can just throw two pitches, and he thrived in that role two years yeah. ago. So I don't think it's a bad move. It's hard for a pitcher though when you're still pretty young to accept that, huh? 
that, that, Hey, you can be a really good reliever. I think too many of them look at it as failure. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you look at how convenient it is being a starter, you pitch and then you do your own routine for four days and then you pitch again as a reliever, man, you're carrying stress every day because every day is game day and you never know when you're going in there. Uh, A lot of guys don't, don't love that. And if you're more suited for it though, you know, it's, it's going to be something he has to adapt to because he could have a long career with the stuff he has. It's the hardest, uh, that's the hardest job in, in uh, baseball, isn't it? That or pinch hitting, relief I, pitching. Yeah. Yeah. You I don't mean, get paid. You don't pinch get paid unless you're great. Well, yeah. And you can be an okay starter and sign a four year 40. <laughs> you know, if you get 40 mils of reliever, you got to be an <laughs> yeah. elite closer. So I think, it, you know, I don't know if guys look at that as much when they're young or if they even understand the contracts. I think they right. do more now, but it's got to be in your mind that if, you know, if I'm an okay starter, I can make 50 million on my deal when I get to free agency. And I'm going to have to be the best reliever in the game to get something like that, you know, out of the pen. Yeah. And I can chill for two or three nights a week. Yeah. I mean, you look at starters, they just got their feet up, they're chewing yeah. seeds, spitting bubble gum, you know, they're just having a great time in the dugout because there's no stress. And you look down the pen, these guys are pacing back and forth, stretching, looking at the lineup. I mean, it's, it's just a totally different routine. It's glamorous, man. I mean, starting is a glamorous thing if you're any good at all. If you, if How many not, times you see a middle reliever getting interviewed after the game? Yeah. You know, the camera's in your face every time you start. On the other hand, if you're a starter and you suck, there's yeah. nowhere to hide because they come no. to you after they talk what happened. <laughs> yeah. The game is on your shoulders. Unless well, they- when you blow the game as a reliever, though, you're seeing yeah. the media, too. No That's doubt. the only time you really talk That's to the them as a middleman. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time I see you guys when I was playing. Smoltz was the one. He's one of those guys that would always remind me, remind us when he was closing. He would only – you guys only want to talk to me when I blow a save. It's like, well, that's the nature of the job, dude. Yeah. If you go out there and save it with a normal, typical save, there's not much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, he just did your job. You got to accept that. You know, that's, that's yeah. something relievers – I always said we were like air conditioners, you know. Nobody even notices you're there until you stop working, then you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Soroka mentioned that he went crumpling to the ground on August 3rd. Now, at the time – he came out after that game and said that he's trying. He's going to try to be back by uh, spring training, and we're like, "This You're is crazy. what." And I'm looking it up and looking up rehab. It's nine to twelve months return, uh, best case scenario, right? Nine months. But then you see Wainwright made it back. This freak made it back. He gets hurt, started the season, makes it back for the postseason. So that was a really, ex- uh, you know, extreme example. But somewhere in between, you know, everybody's talking about how hard Soroka works. And I'm like, if anybody can make it back, he can. But I really thought they'd be so careful with him that we wouldn't see him until May at the earliest or maybe close to the – I was thinking close to the All-Star break. Why like, risk it? You know, and that's why I'm saying if, if they're even talking about putting him out there, they're 120% confident he's he's ready, you know, because you're not going to risk it with him. But, I mean, Wainwright's old. You know, if if he comes back too soon and blows it out again, then you just yeah. pat him on the ass and tell him great career. But right. Soroka's just getting started. So there's a lot more risk, and, and he's got a lot more riding on it. But I mean, if they throw him out there, I feel good about it because there's no way they'd, they'd take any chances with no him. No way they would. Especially Not, with a deep rotation. I mean, because you're talking about a guy that they plan on having for many, many years as an ace. So you're not you want him wearing a Braves there. jersey for 15 years. So you're not running. Yeah. And watching him. He looks great. He's in great shape. He may be a little more muscular than he was, you know. Uh, the hair looks great. He hasn't cut it in a year. He looks like a Canadian hockey player now. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> it works for Degrom. Good dude. I like Alec. Uh, he's easy to pull for when you talk to Soroka. He's uh, he is like a little like Freed in that he's kind of, but, but he's he's more outgoing and funny than Freed. Freed's free pretty serious. Yeah. But uh, both of them, they're put, they're kind of Freed soft spoken. Uh, Soroka's uh, jokes around a lot. He's a funny guy. He's uh, lighthearted off the field. But both of them, the thing they have in common when the when the lights are on, man, when they're out there starting, these guys are just it snaps. These guys are focused. You don't see them out there joking around during a game. No, and it, it's really, really good to have intelligence as a pitcher. <laughs> you know, it's just you either want to be so smart that you can use it, or too dumb to where you don't think too much. You know, it's the guys that get caught in between that struggle. But both those guys, you listen to them talk. You know, you'd think that they Freed and Soroka had you know five, ten years in the big leagues already. Yeah, you know, j- yeah. just talking to them, how advanced their brains are for that young age. I mean, I was nowhere close to that when I was there. That's that's why I was in the pen. Charlie Morton said the same thing multiple times. He said it about. He's just amazed when he sees these young pitchers the Braves have, and he says, "Where I was at that age." Remember Charlie? Yeah, Charlie didn't even like f- figure himself out till he was in his late twenties and early thirties. You know, I th- you know, Gage and Charlie's personality is one of those guys I would have gave up on. Yep. Because he didn't seem to to have that that gear he could kick into. You know, he seemed to kind of be loopy out there and, and not as focused. And God, then I saw him wrong. way wrong, and I'll admit it. But then I saw him pitch in the playoffs um, for Houston, and yeah. I mean, it, everything was on the line. And I was like, I kind of said to, I think I said to a buddy, like, you're putting your whole season in Charlie Morton's hands, thinking of the guy I used to know. Yeah. And then he dealt and he dominated the game. And then I listened to him talk after the game. And I was like, that's a different human than yes. the one I interacted with five, six years ago. And this is a great, another great addition for this team, man. Cause you've got a yeah. great clubhouse to begin with. And this is a guy that's just added to the clubhouse. Alex is always looking for guys that won't just, uh, you're not, not disrupt the clubhouse, but make it even better. And he did that with Ozuna. He did that with Donaldson. He's done that with, uh, Charlie Morton, he's made the clubhouse even better. So Charlie talked about how, you know, he really wanted to get in. He hated the mask and all that because it didn't give him a chance to talk to the guys like he likes to. But they have had, he said, they've already had, he goes, I can't even say how many times we've had discussions in the clubhouse where guys will just pull up a chair, we'll have a circle in the clubhouse, and we we end up talking for half hour, an hour about baseball. He goes, I love that. So it's already working with these young guys, and they're like bending his ear, and he's – He'll share anything he knows about the game. He wants to, yeah. tell, to tell everything to everybody that wants to know. He doesn't That's go up your to duty. Him. Yeah, he doesn't go up to him and bother him. Right. But when they ask him, he's like, yes, I'm glad you asked. This is what I saw. And Tukey said he's already made a big difference for him Watch after watching one of his bullpens. Well, it's, I think it'd be good for Tukey, too, because Charlie didn't just show up and, and deal. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it helps to have guys that have been through that struggle and give you a pat on the ass and tell you you're okay. You know, I was the same way. And now look at, you know, I got a world series ring and and look at everything I've done. So, um, I mean, those conversations just sitting around with veterans, that's, I used to go up and have a few beers in uh, McCann's room after games and him and Ross would talk. They talk from the first inning through the ninth inning, everything they saw that game. And I would, I wouldn't say a word. I mean, I just sit there in awe of, of how detailed and, and how much they knew about the game and how they broke it all down. I mean, they'd be mad at a pitch that they called for uh, the long guy in the seventh inning down 12 because they cared that much about his career too. But I'd just be sitting there listening and, and learning so much 
Um, there's just so much, you know, going through it. You just pick up on so many little things that you can pass on to young guys that they've, you know, maybe, maybe never thought about or not looked at it that way. But those, those long talks and just shooting around, like sitting around, just shooting it with those guys, that's how you really learn. And that's a good sign that, that the starters are doing that. Uh, for anybody just might have forgotten what Charlie did before he came here uh, with the Astros and the Rays. He was a World Series champion with the with the Astros and had a big part in it in 2017, Game Seven. He was 45 and 16 with a 3.28 ERA for those two teams in three years, 2017 to 2019. Made the AL All Star team the last two of those years and earned the opening day start last year with the Rays. The whole dis- the whole pandemic thing, uh, sh- baseball shutdown, kind of set him back last year. So he struggled early to get his velo back, to get his break and stuff. He just didn't have a feel for it. He was kind of like uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the older guys that have been in the same schedule year after year after year and have families, they didn't respond as well as some of the younger <laughs> guys that could go find a place to pitch and find kids to throw to, high school kids to throw to. You know, some, it was different for some of the older guys that were home with the, being Mr. Mom and all that. And that's Charlie. You know, he's got four yeah. kids, and he just didn't go drive all over Florida trying to find people to face. So this year we're seeing him have a conventional spring, living at home, by the way, driving 30, 35 minutes each day to the north. That's Port. beautiful. Yeah. And uh, as a result, he's in shape. His pitches are there. He's uh, he's getting real close, he said, to feeling locked in. And he's looked great. Even when games where he said, I didn't feel it tonight, he's pitched great even when he says that. So that's a good sign. He's had a real good spring. So I'm really expecting this guy to come out and pitch like he did in those three years and not like he was early last season. Well, by the end things, of last year, he was hot. Yeah, and those are the things you want to pass on to the young guys anyways. Him saying, you know, he didn't feel good today and still right. put up numbers, is, is th- that's the hardest part. Anybody can get through it when you feel great. Yeah. It's how do you – when you feel terrible, how do you get through that game and, and how do you – I think that's what a lot of guys struggle with is when they don't have it that day is, is battling through innings and minimizing the damage and getting through six and giving up three, you know, instead of it being a two runs, two innings, 10 runs type of start. And the classic guy that's done that, this, uh, that's a perfect example of that, Bryce Wilson. He has learned yeah. how to do that. And that's been the separator for him. It took him like three years of getting going back and forth between majors and AAA. But when he learned to do that, He's great at the damage control now, and that's why he's going to be the fifth yeah. starter and not Kyle Wright or Tukey. Yeah. Or Oscar. That's, or Oscar. that's going to be the you know the big kicker between those three guys is, is the guy that can have a bad start and it's not a terrible start. You know, just be off and get through five. I mean, that's what, that's what good starters do. Uh, I, asked, I asked Charlie, would he say anything to Max, you know, because Charlie had his first opening day start last yeah. year and, and Max getting his, and he said – it's a great quote. He said, I don't really think he needs me to say anything to him. For how young he is, he's got it pretty well figured out. He said, I got to experience it last year for the first time, and it kind of stunk because there were no fans in the stands. It's great because if it's an it's an honor. That's the thing. The organization, the staff, everybody's showing you a great deal of respect by allowing you to go out and pitch the first game. For me, that's what it's really about. So even though there weren't any fans there last year, when I got to experience it for the first time, I got to do it. That's what really matters. It's just a great sign of respect. And I don't think Max needs me to say anything to him. <laughs> no. I, I, opening day is the only regular season game that feels like the playoffs. You know, even even the, the guys that got 15 years in the game, they still get nervous and butterflies on opening day. 
because it's it's finally real stuff counts you know and this year there'll be fans in the stands again so i, I mean i think max will be pretty amped up I, i'd expect him to overthrow a few but yeah he's 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 gonna be able to tone it down and lock in too guys let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just looking at this team again, that they have I talked about how many they had almost all their home run hitters back except for Duvall. They've got four silver slugger award winners returning. At the top of that lineup, they were the top four spots. Now they're before the first five. Uh, so those are guys are all back. The defense is going to be improved with Pache in center. Yeah. Ender was great when he was winning all those gold gloves, but he wasn't in center a lot last year. I mean, a lot of times they moved Cunha over. Uh, oh, I have been really pleasantly surprised at how good Ozuna's looked in left field this spring. He's made all the plays. The regular, I mean, he hasn't looked silly on anything. So. I just one highlight, man. I mean, he had yeah. that one highlight where he climbed the ball and the ball landed on the warning track. And it's crazy. One play like that can just follow you around for so long. But he, I'm sure he takes it all personal and, and works pretty hard on his craft now. He's made some dip, made some good plays, good catches out there at the wall yesterday, made a couple of plays. But he could shade over to left field because Pache can yeah. cover so much ground like Andrew used to. Yeah. It's going to make a big difference. Pache is – better than Ender was at Ender's best. And that's pretty damn good because he was the best center fielder in the league. Ender was. Pache's better, man. The arm is so much better. He's got a cannon for an arm. We've seen that like oh, four times. Three or four times this spring he has made bullet pa- throws right on the money too. Yeah. So defense is going to be better. Nakunya in right field is, to me, he became a decent center fielder. He's an elite right fielder, Acuna is. Yeah, he's good. Great arm. Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, you, you, you want a guy that's elite in center field, not a guy that can handle it. You right. know? And I think they were put in that position a lot with, with Acuna out there last year, you know, just learning center field on the fly. I think he could be elite, but he needs more time. But right. 
being able to go with Pache that's already elite and and throw him out there and, and shade him toward Azuna or shade uh, Pache toward Ozuna a little bit. I mean, it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's really any weak spots in the defense. And and it also helps because Acuna in right field is not going to have to run nearly as much as he would going yeah. left and right in the gaps in center. And that's important for a guy like him. Those Long legs term. are valuable. Yeah, yeah. You want him to be able to run all year and not be out there tired and and get hurt, you know, while he's tired. And so I think he's got a legit shot at forty forty. But I wouldn't say that if he's in center. I mean, you think about it in center field. There's a single to left. You're still jogging over there to back up. Yeah. When you're in right field and there's a Good single point. left, you stand there with your hands on your hips. So Good point. You think about all those miles piling up, especially over the years. You know, you, you got him for a long time. It's it, it matters. You know, I mean. Look at Andrew. Look at how Andrew just, you know, the last 10, after about five, six, seven, eight hell. years, he was beat up. And and people hold that against him in his Hall of Fame case. But that's kind of something you could look at if you're the Braves and say, I don't want that to happen to Acuna. And especially as they get older, they get bigger. You know, you naturally get bigger. You fill out. Yeah. And Andrew, you know, got bigger to be a power hitter. And he still was doing all that running. So, you know, he beat that <laughs> body to hell, man. Man, I played center field in a beer league game and wore a, tr- wore a tracker last year, and I ran six miles <laughs> oh over a doubleheader. So, I mean, you think it's about like a soccer game, yeah, and you 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 know you start putting on weight and getting older. I mean, it just beats up your yeah. hips and all those little things. Um, I like it. I like him saving his legs in right field. There's a reason most of the center fielders are elite athletes. You can look at them and say you have to be because running has to be easy. Yeah, it's like you short know, stops. You know, you yeah. don't see overweight short stops. Not many. You move too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you move too much. In center, you move too much to be overweight and get it done. I mean, there are exceptions, but there's not many. <laughs> there's some thick, thick center fielders, but there's right. nobody, you know, sporting a boiler. <laughs> right, right. There's some big guys, but they can still run, like Jason Hayward, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, this defense is, is, yeah, I agree. There's no weakness on this defense, man. I mean, Ozuna and left. If that's a weakness, that's that's your biggest weakness for sure. But you can uh, taper it. You know, you can you yeah. can you can help him out in a sense because you got so much strength in the other two positions out there. And you know what else I like defensively is Adrianza over Camargo. Camargo, you know, has shown at times he can be a really good infielder. Other times, he makes some sloppy errors, man. Where you're like, what happened, dude? You're just are you just not paying attention? You know, one year he was a little bigger. He didn't have the range. He's not bigger now. He has the range, but he still makes some sloppy errors. He made a throw the other day that was just an awful throwing error. It's like, where are you throwing that? He threw it between first and second because he think he thought a guy was breaking. It was just, it was terrible. I, I well, from what I've seen, uh, Adrianza looks like a guy that if he played short every day, he'd be a near Gold Glove caliber type guy. He's that good. Yeah. Second base, he looks really smooth. So I like his defense. And and Sandoval can actually still play defense, believe it or not. He's he could still make the plays at third, leaping over with the with the reactions and get to yeah. balls. So Th- that's what I'm saying about him is he's a guy you just got to leave alone. You know, yeah. I mean, you put some of these guys on diets and they just eat salads and do the elliptical, and then they lose all their power and strength, and they feel like crap, and then all yeah. of a sudden they're not jumping around. Like just let the dude slam some beers and eat cheeseburgers and be big and. That's where his body likes to be. That's where he's comfortable. And I mean, it's easy to nitpick at him, but he's, he's I've never looked at him and said that guy doesn't look like he can move. He's one yeah. of those guys that you look at and you're shocked how well he moves, but leave him alone. Yeah. He's like some football players, man. Yeah. Like, you know, some linemen. Or Marshawn Lynch. They're always calling Marshawn Lynch a little overweight, but he just yeah. plows through everybody. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's got and he's got more energy than a lot of guys ten years younger and forty pounds lighter. Yeah, he's carved up. He's energized. <laughs> he's carved up. Yeah. So defense. Uh, there's a quote from Adrianza. He said, "This is a great team on both sides of the field, defensively, offensively. There's great pitching. The chemistry is right there. You know, I think this team has got a very good chance to be in the World Series this year. So I'm looking forward to it. It was when when the Twins let him go. That was what he liked about the Braves. They had played the, against the Braves a couple years ago, and he loved how much fun they had on the field and the talent they had. And he looked at it this year and said, which team has the best chance? He wanted to go somewhere that could win, like Pablo yeah. did." And Pablo fell in love with playing with his team. I talked to him yesterday. He said playing with them last year at the end of the year. He didn't get along there, but he was with them at the very end of the year and then in the postseason, and he just loved the team chemistry. And he said he wanted another chance with his team, so he's getting it. But he, that's, how the, that's how the Giants were when he was there. That's what he said it reminded him. Yeah. Three, three World Series teams. He goes, we had that chemistry just like this team has. You look at those teams that, that don't seem to match up and they always overperform – and, you know, the game used to be a lot different where all that stuff happened behind the scenes. You know, you were doing all your hooting, hollering and, and clowning around in the clubhouse. But because of the code, you went out on the field and, and these teams seem really professional. So it was a lot harder to gauge that in the past. But, you know, if you got to know any of those guys on the Giants, they were pretty wild and having a lot of fun when they were doing all that winning. So, I mean, this team reminds me of that a lot, too. So this spring, Sandoval hit 400 with a 978 OPS and 40 at bats. He had 13 singles, three doubles, two sack flies. Sack flies, they like that too. He's a professional hitter. Um, Snit said Pablo's done it before. Just the way he comes in, the professionalism, what he adds to the clubhouse, the presence that he has, the respect that he has from everybody, and the fact that he can still hit. He said, and Adrianza had a really good spring, a really good spring. He said both those guys – Played too well. He goes, you couldn't keep him off the team. It was put yeah. it that way. He said, they played too well for you not to. Adrianza, he hit 400. He had this symmetry on his line. I, I couldn't believe the numbers. I looked at him today. 400, 500 OBP, 700 slugging percentage this spring, 1,200 OPS and 48 at-bats, uh, 48 plate appearances. Two homers, six doubles, 12 RBIs. I think he still had more walks and strikeouts, too, for the spring. I mean, he it's- had the best spring on the, of anybody on the team. Yeah, it's it's one thing if you come in and have some really good at bats and hit three oh two. You know, it's that might make the decision tough. But the way he played, you know, you yeah. just a guy that's on fire like that, you just I mean he could turn his whole career around. For nearly you know, fifty just, plate appearances, he had four hundred yeah. with a five hundred OBP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't care what league you do that in. And he's played every position except catcher and center field. So I mean that that's a that's a, that's a huge right there. Especially when you got a four man bench. You gotta have versatility from these guys. That's why they let mm-hmm. Lamb go and Kipnis. They didn't do enough at spring to warrant being on the team, even though they have, you know, they got power, could run into one, but they just didn't. They brought Kipnis back on a minor league deal, by the way. They haven't announced that, but they're bringing him back. So they didn't have to pay him that 100K retention bonus. Well, that says something, too, though, you know, that yeah. he wants to stick around. And, you know, a lot yeah. of guys, if, if you don't get that 100K, you bounce somewhere else because you're kind of mad they wouldn't even pay you the 100 to stick around, especially with his status and, and having a lot of time in the game. But, he must have seen something he liked in spring training about the group, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Snit, just one more thing on Sandoval. He said he's got a drawer full of rings, but he's come in and really played well. I've loved the way he's went out about it. He's a very professional player, the way he does it, and he's played good. The, uh, we were looking for, a spe- especially for a left-handed bat off the bench, and he fits the bill better than everybody else that we had, even though he's a switch hitter. 
Mm-hmm. He stopped switch hitting for like a year. I think he might have had an injury or something, or I don't know what it was. But he switch hitting now again, and he was hitting it from both sides this spring. Snit said, Snit had a good point about him. He said, he's kind of what you're looking for in a bench player because he's a guy that can sit around and stay ready. I remember in the NLCS when those situations came about, I'd turn around and he'd already be standing there with a bat so he could see the game. It's a lot easier to accept that role too late in your career when he's already accomplished a lot. And and just, I want to help any way I can to stick around. He's already got his rings. You know, he's he's probably a perfect candidate for candidate for it versus you know Camargo might still be mad he's not playing every day yep you know that there's little things guys hold on to that a veteran could just let go he's happy to be here the best bench guys the best pinch hitters are those veteran guys in their 30s Pinsky. that have been you know yeah exactly you know Matt Joyce was really good in that role when he came over and the Braves yeah. were his third team that spring you yeah. know and he ended up being a valuable piece but you got to have those guys that are, can play when they don't can can hit and 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 play when they're not in the lineup every day. You know they go two or three days without playing at all. Yeah, and they're fine. Yeah, I remember Eric Kinsky talking about that a lot because he was rookie of the year. You know, I mean he he yep. was a big deal in in Toronto, and then he said it took him a few years to kind of adjust. And somebody just pulled him aside and said, "Hey, this is this is your reality now. You know, you either accept this or you're going to be out of the game." And and once he fully embraced it and and. I think the hardest part is probably staying ready the entire game and then you don't get in. It's kind of like being a reliever. You know, you're doing all this prep, you're mentally carrying that stress, and then you yep. don't get in day after day after day. And then what will happen with young guys is they'll shut down mentally thinking they're not coming in the game. And then you put them in a big, you know, big situation and they're already checked out and they have a terrible at bat, strike out. And the same thing happens with relievers when you're up by – eight or something like that. And, and you think the game's over, or your closers in, and then all of a sudden they struggle I mean, it happened to it happened to me in Moreland one time when Billy Wagner something happened with Billy, or Billy was out and Saito was supposed to close and Saito started getting lit up and Saito had been so lights out. Me and Moreland were kind of just dicking around in the pen, checked out mentally, yeah. and we both came in the game completely unfocused and wound up walking two guys each. And I, you know, I think we held on and won the game, but that was kind of a wake up call for us that. You can never shut down mentally because once you check out, it's so hard to turn it back on and, and lock back into that mode. So I think that's what the veteran guys are the best at is, is just tolerating the mental grind of those yeah. roles. Young guys struggle with it. I did a, uh, I did a Q&A this week with uh, – I really wanted to talk to Drew French, the new bullpen guy, because I know Marty Reed was popular and they let him go. And that was uh, – it's like, wow, why did they let Marty go? But after talking to Drew French – and hearing his ideas, I understand why they did it. I mean, they wanted – they've got an old-school bunch of great coaches that have embraced analytics, to their credit, yeah. all of them have. But they're you all – you know, they're all guys that have uh, that played the game. They're all in the 50s, 60s. They brought a guy in that is kind of on the forefront of analytics, was over in Houston, got hired in Houston. He was a college coach. He got hired in Houston when he was 32 or whatever. And now he's 36, 36 years old. And he is well-versed in all the analytics. He Bodie, he's known Bodie, by the way, for like over a decade. Because at the time, there weren't many guys in that little fraternity of analytics guys in the yeah. game. And he, yeah, he knows Bodie well. He listened to our podcast with Bodie. But so he's talking about uh, the things that this organization is doing. And I think fans should be really encouraged if they read that at Q&A. He said he's amazed by our, the manpower they're putting into it, the technology, he said, "Because baseball is a zero-sum game," and he said, "If you're not, if you're not at the four, you're not 
staying up with the trends in the game, then you're playing catch up all the time. There's no, there's no going back. He said the game's not going to go back. So you got to be on the for- using all this technology. And he really is, uh, he's a sharp guy. I asked him about, I asked him, what are your early impressions of the arms and the organization and the talent in the bullpen? He goes, it's remarkable, not just the bullpen, but the rotation. And from the position players, the lineup side, it's not lost on me how fortunate I am to come into a situation where we have a team that's ready to win, that has won and is built to continue to win. I've been really impressed. The main thing is just the people, not just the roster, the staff, the front office, but it's a really, really good group from top to bottom. And I've enjoyed coming to work every day and getting to know everybody a little bit better as these six weeks of spring training has gone on. And then I said, uh, I, that's what I hear a lot of people in the organization that talk about the culture that Alex Anthopoulos yeah. has kind of helped build or restore in the three years he's been here, letting people do their jobs, making sure he brings in folks that fit in and get along with everyone. And I said, Have you, did you notice that right away? And he said, 100%. Because that was kind of a big piece of the process going through the interview circuit here, so to speak, was that we want the right fit. It's not necessarily what you've done in the past or how much knowledge you can bring. Hopefully you can add value to the organization as a whole, but we want guys that are going to fit, especially with the relationship I have with Cranny. We want to make sure that he, that that is a really tight knit relationship with where everything is aligned and that we can communicate and have the uh, conversations and come up with the best possible solutions for our team. And then the last thing on that, I asked him about the coaching staff. I said, it seems like you got to got the best of both worlds in that you have a bunch of former players, old school guys, yeah, but guys who are willing to embrace and utilize analytics and then present it to the players in a way that the players will understand and, and are enthused to use. And I said, Brian Snicker, you know, is in his six, mid-60s, but he's adapted and also brought bought into analytics and sees the value of all the information. And he said, Drew French said, yeah. I couldn't agree more with that from Wash to EY to Sites to Mags, Bobby Magalunes, and the hitting department. The conversations are built on things that their eyes have seen for decades. Now we're in a position where we can justify and clarify the things that they have known all along. Now I guess the feedback loop can be a little bit tighter to the player, and we can adjust and target these things and strategize these things a little bit quicker than we have in the past it's a blessing to be around these guys with so much experience playing and coaching. My ears are open and I'm overloaded pretty much every single day. It's like everything you'd want to hear from an analytics guy right there. Well, there's, you know, uh, we talk a lot about the guys, you know, old school baseball people not giving analytics people the credit they deserve. Mm-hmm. But it works the other way too. You know, analytics guys can come in and think you're just a dinosaur. Yeah. But there's, you know, if we had Leo Mazzoni on what, three weeks ago or a month yeah. ago. And he has these little sayings that, that he says that resonate with me really well. Yeah. You know, just, just simple things that coaches can pass on. Like he calls it superpower. You know, you get in trouble, you get in a jam and you try to go to superpower. Mm-hmm. And that for me is the number one tendency pitchers have to do wrong is you get in tight situations, you try to do more. And that's when you make a crucial mistake. Um, so there's so much value in the experience. And then there's so much value in, in the analytics side that you have to bring people together that respect both sides and, and it sounds like that's what's going on here, where, where he's overwhelmed and, and, and loving the amount of info he's getting from baseball people, and he's able to, to communicate his side of it, too. You know, I mean, that's that's ideal situation is you have coaches that embrace both sides. They've done a good job of hiring the right analytics people that get along great with the coaches and that he's talked about that loop tightening. So the information gets to the player faster without getting, you know, 
screwed up along the way or guys rolling their eyes or whatever. Everybody's on the same plan. You got to work together. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the pitching thing, they wanted to line top to bottom where they're all the guys. And I've always thought that too, because they were teeth. They were having some things taught in levels of the minor leagues that were different at the major leagues. And I thought that never made any sense to me, but it's all aligned now. They're making sure everybody's on the same play and teaching the exact same things to these guys so that they don't have to adjust when they move up to the bigger, especially when they move to the major league level. It's the same stuff they heard when they were minors. Well, it only takes one coach in, in a in a high level position to mm-hmm. to mess that all up, you know, to to not be on board with something they're teaching or trying to get guys to do in the minors. And you know, imagine you come up from AAA and you're throwing these high fastballs, and you got an old school coach that's saying you only throw fastballs down the zone. Yeah, I mean, right. the guy's not going to put up the same numbers he was putting up in AAA. Um, so just those type of things, everybody working together, you know, that's that makes all the difference. Um, and I asked him. I asked him when he got to, hired by the Astros. He said 2015, the, after the season there. And I said, when did Justin Verlander get traded to the Astros? Because I had forgot. He said, we traded for him at the deadline, 2017. And I said, the reason I bring him up, he's a guy that a lot of people point to as getting his career kind of back on track uh, late in his career after he went to Detroit, went from Detroit to Houston with all the analytics there, kind of just helping him, uh, show him how to better use his arsenal. And... I said, is he a guy that you kind of point to and go, here's what we can do to help a guy? And he said, yeah. I think if you look at any of those big-name acquisitions, you want to get those guys like J.V. Verlander and Garrett Cole in a room, and you want to enlighten them, and you want to talk to them about their strengths and the way they've used their stuff in their career and the reasons why they might want to make an adjustment or a change. Because the guys at the top of their game, at the pinnacle, are going to be slightly resistant to some of that stuff unless you provide them kind of the what, why, and how. Those guys, Verlander and Cole, are, I guess, two kind of benchmark guys, but you, you can see from probably 2015 on with the Astros oh, just, just yeah. looking at the farm system and how much success that we had over there developing guys that we signed internationally. So from a pitching standpoint, the program was ever-evolving, but they gave us the tools to do our jobs really, really well and really, really efficiently. And he said the Braves are exactly like that as far as all the tools, all the manpower they need. And then out at, down at spring training, for instance, on every backfield, they've got the uh, the uh, track man, the edge tronic. they got everything that there is on each field. So there is any information they want. If anything, there's too much. But they don't have anything little where they go, oh, that organization has that. We don't. They've got everything. Well, everybody's on board with it now. Yeah. You know, it, it's then it's a matter of applying it and learning it, you know, and that's – when Marty got uh, Marty Reed got fired, I was kind of shocked because I thought he was a great coach. Yeah, and you know maybe maybe they just saw an opening there where they could get a guy in that's had you know multiple years to try to apply this stuff versus just uh, you know just trying to figure it out on the fly. So you know that that little stuff makes a big difference. I mean, if you look at Garrett Cole, he was throwing nothing but two seamers and he goes to Houston. He starts throwing all those four seamers. He turns into a Cy Young award winner and gets or candidate and gets 300 mil. You know, I mean, that's what a difference it can make just changing your pitch selection. But you were talking about Marty and why, and, and I agree. That's a good time to get a guy like in there. Cause you don't, it sucks for Marty. A guy said everything they asked. He didn't do anything to get fired, but or let go. However you want to put it. They didn't renew his contract. He got fired. 
But that was, you know, you're not going to do that with uh, Cranny because he's only been there a couple of years and he's your pitching coach. You're not going to, it's only, there's not many places you could do it to get a guy that's a little more analytically inclined. And, you know, and Marty embraced all the analytics too, but this is a guy that's not just embracing it. That He's already, a, yeah. he's ahead of the curve. Fully you know, immersed that's what it. I was talking about. He's gotten a chance to practice applying it in the minor leagues and all the way up where, yeah. You know, if if I were to try to do all that stuff, there'd be a learning curve where I might not be ready to apply it to major league pitchers and feel confident about what I'm telling them until I've seen it right. play out in the minors a few times where the games don't matter as much. So right. I feel like it was just a tough break for Marty, and I don't think he necessarily did anything wrong. But, you know, maybe maybe this guy's just that much more advanced and, and they wanted someone that can apply it now. Yeah. And, you know, the Astros did this with all the, with a lot of the minor league coaches. They were hiring guys that were college coaches that were teaching the game over there and had all this analytical background. And they, and it's kind of the it's kind of what the way it's going right now. There's a lot of college coaches being brought over there because they were doing this stuff in colleges before, actually. Yeah. And uh, so but I like the part about him being understanding why some guys, some elite pitchers are going to be a little resistant with some guy telling them why they should do something differently. I like he recognizes that and you've got to show them why, you know, and they did that yeah. with Verlander. It showed him why. Yes, you're great. You're a Hall of Famer. But at this point in your career, the way you're using your arsenal, this might help. Just think about it and try it. Yeah. And they did that yeah. with Nate Jones when he came in. And Nate says it's a big reason he had the spring he had. Well, if you're in Nate Jones' shoes, you know, you're trying to make a team, It's you're going to be more accepting when you don't have the track record and, and you need to perform yeah. versus, to you know, why up. am I going to take this risk when I'm already as good as I've been? You know, right. a, a lot of guys really resist change. But, you know, for my career, I, I just kept throwing sinkers and kept getting hit. Yeah. You know, I, I had a I had a sinker that nobody was touching before Tommy John. I came back. It wasn't the same pitch. And stubbornly, I just kept thinking I could get that pitch back. And the game changed while I was out, yeah. you know, guys started swinging under the ball and, and swinging up on it. So my ground balls turned into line drives. If I would have had somebody tell me, you know, we, we need to get you back to your four seamer cause you got good spin. And I started throwing them up in the zone. I mean, you know, who knows what, what happens in those situations when you make those changes, but it's not necessarily something I would have ever thought to do myself. You know, let me just start throwing high four seamers. Yeah. I love the comment that he also had. He said, it's great the conversations he has with Nate Jones. He goes, every day he comes in, he starts by, he sees me, he goes, what do you got for me, Frenchie? Mm -hmm. So he wants to know what else, what else can you tell me? Well, yeah, when it's working too. Yeah. It's like I'm following this guy around the clubhouse. I got a job, Give, give man. me more. <laughs> yeah. So coming off the year that he had with Cincinnati, you know, he was, uh, what do I need to change? Yep. Because so, Yeah, and sometimes it takes, it takes – getting your ass kicked to to be willing to change. And that, that's why like the Verlander conversation is probably a lot harder because he was so good and he, he is going to be a Hall of Famer. But yeah, when you struggle, you know, it's, you should be ready to listen. I mean, look what him and Garrett Cole both did over there. That's they, well, they both, well, they got a lot of money. After, you know, I was with Cole in Pittsburgh and every day I watched him throw, I said, this guy should be one of the best pitchers in baseball. And, you know, I've, I've accumulated a lot of baseball knowledge, but I never thought, yeah, he should scrap his two-seamer because your brain tells you your two-seamer is a great pitch. Yeah. And, and you need movement and you need to miss barrels. But he had that. He has really, really good ride on his four-seamer, and, and he goes over to Houston. And, I mean, it changed his whole career. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we will start doing this uh, twice a week next week. And I hope you guys are all ready. I know you are. It's going to be an exciting year for the Braves, man. It's uh, – 
I mean, in so many ways, this points to being the year, the year that, you know, they need to, everything's there for them. You know, there's really nothing holding them back as long as you stay healthy. And that's key. You don't have a lot of depth position-wise, but you got a ton of it pitching-wise, starting-wise, and that I think is probably more important. But, yeah, you know, it's like any team. The Dodgers can't afford to lose bets. Braves can't afford to lose Freddie or Acuna. But I mean, you would have thought team. they couldn't afford to lose Soroka last year. Yeah. Know? I mean, there's something about the unit, too, the group. The, right. There's something special about them. There is. Because I, when Soroka went down, I thought they were toast. Toast. Yeah. <laughs> they figured it out. That's and, a good team. And I look back, and I still don't know how they figured it out. That when you look at the rotation, how bad it was at times, look at some of the names of guys they used last year that are already forgotten. I mean, it was like, who's starting tomorrow? We'll find out when we see how we get through tonight. How many of those yeah. were there? repeatedly three four times a week for a little bit (laughs) we'll find out we'll see who we need tonight then we'll have a starter after the game yeah so anyway all right it's been good it's been good spring and uh we'll talk to you guys next week hopefully you have some good things to talk about with the braves 755 is real and we're out (laughs) 